Hello, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 196 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. In our episode today, we're going to review managing cybersecurity risks in an update. Well, hello, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Uh, enjoying the Memorial Day holiday uh, and uh, getting uh, vaccinated, getting back to work, and spending time with your family. Well, today I wanted to take a look at some of the uh, cyber incidents uh, and the implications of those recently uh, in terms of cybersecurity risk management at both uh, sort of a macro view, but then looking at um, the corporate board oversight uh, responsibilities. Before we do that, though, let's hear from our sponsor, Steel Compliance. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements, Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's compliance solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Okay, so let's uh, take a step back and look at uh, some of the recent uh, events. Uh, And sometimes, uh, like the uh, Colonial Pipeline incident, uh, it just took a public event like that to remind corporate risk managers about the importance of effective risk management. And uh, right now, the hot topic, you know, besides ESG, is corporate risk management functions. Uh, And I view it sort of as a way to approach corporate failures to prevent uh, obvious risk. It's like a knee-jerk reactions. And most organizations that at least I see continue to wander in this world of react, I call it reactive business planning, uh, rather than proactive prevention. Um, But, you know, hopefully we'll see a maturation in some of these risk management functions. Um, And it's been, you know, fairly obvious for years that most corporate corporate organizations do not allocate sufficient resources, expertise, and commitment to implementing, you know, effective risk management programs. 
you know, the ransomware attack on Colonial uh, Pipeline uh, demonstrated yet again the failure of government and business to anticipate cybersecurity issues through traditional tools, risk, vulnerability analysis, implementation of technology and planning to minimize a cyber event, and crisis response protocols. In the aftermath of this debacle, the public, you know, was lining up to purchase gallons of gasoline because of a short-term shortage in the gasoline. And these signs of panic, to me, were just a reminder of the impact that poor government and business risk management can have on on the public eventually. So the Biden administration last week issued a response uh, to update the government's cybersecurity practices. And, you know, when there's a response, uh, the government, you know, I'm not trying to be cynical, but, uh, you know, pulling federal agency performance up doesn't necessarily translate into pulling uh, the private sector's practices up. Um, And it's you know, all well and good, but until the private sector is subject to various requirements relating to cybersecurity, not much is going to change. You know, Congress has uh, its record around this issue. It's stumbled stumbled around for years when it comes to imposing any kind of meaningful requirements on corporate cybersecurity practices. For example, there still is no actual federal corporate disclosure requirement to notify law enforcement and the public after a company suffers a cyber attack or suffers a cyber incident. Similarly, there are no specific standards set for any industry sector that companies must meet to protect against cyber attacks. So often there's you know, voluntary measures, the use of the NIST standards, um, Uh, for cybersecurity, but in the absence of full uh, regulatory requirements, the private sector is not just going to blindly follow the federal uh, government practices. Um, So instead, companies continue to face a patchwork of state requirements relating to data security, disclosure, and remediation requirements. And a cyber incident, for example, is usually followed by private class actions with no meaningful teeth. Um, that, you know, just uh, is viewed more as a cost of doing business. The cost of prevention never outweighs the economic harm and reputational damage, or at least that is how business leaders usually come out when undertaking a cost-benefit analysis. So, uh, you know, some have suggested that the latest cybersecurity executive order is the first step in the new administration imposing real requirements on the private sector. That's just not what it is. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Corporate interests have always been able to block such uh, efforts in the past, and there's nothing to suggest that they will not do so in the future. Uh, there are various senators now rumbling about new legislation. Big deal. You know, I frankly, uh, when I, even when I was back working in Congress, in the early 2000s, uh, that used to happen all the time, and any attempt to try to push legislation in this area was usually uh, met with resistance from the industry. Uh, and so in the end, the federal government is, uh, you know, retreating to leading by example, and there will be really no substantive change in performance. Um, if there was, and if corporate priorities and planning actually were to be proactive, the private sector could 
quickly enact far-reaching responses and planning to prevent a cybersecurity incident. To, to do that, companies would have to conduct a robust risk and vulnerability assessment to identify weaknesses uh, surrounding confidential business data and personally identifiable information. Since cyber attacks and ransom attacks usually zero in on this information to try to extort ransom payments. Cyber attackers gain access to the sensitive information and then threaten the victim company with illegal use of the information to harm the organization. So organizations have to complete a vulnerability assessment and then design processing and storage plans to minimize the risk of intrusion and access to this information. And in most cases, companies can rely on encryption and other strategies to prevent a serious breach. Um, as part of this, it's important to do a comprehensive data mapping program. And then when you review where your data is across the organization, companies quickly realize that some data is no longer needed for the business. And then there's an efficient understanding and management of the company's data profile. And now a critical part of this process requires companies to evaluate their own internal IT compliance requirements. Some of these access controls are important to preserve evidence, harden intrusion vulnerabilities, and to improve network and email security. Uh, companies also should be implementing IT improvements to enhance logging and monitoring functions that may be critical to generating accurate network information needed to respond uh, to a cyber attack. Uh, many companies are moving to cloud to the cloud, obviously, and using uh, systems in the cloud and thereby reducing vulnerabilities from on-site software and data systems. And even in a cloud-based environment, though, uh, companies have experienced uh, serious cyber attacks and planning is needed in the, these environments to mitigate vulnerabilities and risks. Now, a company can use its cyber risk and vulnerability and assessment to plan a response to a cyber attack as well. So uh, these plans often include hiring of a third-party cyber expert to respond to a cyber ransom event or cyber intrusion. Uh, a crisis response plan should include compliance with legal requirements and preservation of evidence, along with public information needed to mitigate any attack. Uh, to implement the plan, companies have to identify and advance a cross-section of corporate representatives, including uh, information technology, human resources, legal and compliance, public relations and communications, and, of course, senior management. Now, if you look at it, let's take, uh, and I want to sort of change the perspective here to talk about uh, the corporate board and the board's risks uh, in managing cyber uh, security issues. Um, and uh, what we're seeing right now is a rapid escalation of board member accountability. Uh, you know, board members are just no longer operating in the sinecure free from legal risks. Uh, the walls are tumbling down in that sense. So, for example, uh, the, you know, the colonial pipeline attack in uh, the acknowledged payment of over $1 million to escape the ransomware attack underscores this new environment for corporate boards because they were obviously part of the decision-making in that process. And it's not just limited to uh, energy infrastructure, but really it extends to all critical technologies in a range of industries, 
Obviously, last year we had the solar wind cyber attack, and it underscored another vulnerability in our nation's reliance on software services to control and manage our internet backbone. So cyber risks are even more significant uh, in the work from home environment that has become part of our established, uh, you know, business operations. And this trend began in response to obviously COVID-19 pandemic, but it's clear that office and work environments uh, have been transformed in the future workplace. Uh, and so the risks and vulnerabilities really have multiplied in response to a large work population relying on unsecured Wi-Fi home networks uh, to access critical work resources. And the commercial response has been, you know, the use of virtual private networks uh, to protect critical information and data in this new work environment. But that raises its own set of vulnerabilities and risks. So corporate boards have to manage this cyber, this cybersecurity risks and mitigate these vulnerabilities develop crisis response protocols, which we've talked about, coordinate law enforcement interactions, uh, and engage, obviously, information and cyber experts to help in an emergency response. And uh, boards also have to be careful to uh, secure adequate insurance to protect against significant financial uh, and reputational damages. But this laundry list uh, it seems overwhelming at first, but these are the issues that really have to be addressed. Um, it's complicated with uh, it's complicated even more with the increasing importance of overall data management and information governance requirements uh, in the international workplace for sure, or international economy for sure, with GDPR and other countries uh, putting in place uh, data breach and information uh, storage and protection requirements. Um, and uh, adding to this sort of complex situation from the board's perspective is the SEC has elevated the importance of accurate disclosures concerning cyber and data risks that extend to shareholders, institutional event investors, proxy firms, and other stakeholders all of a sudden, regulators and stakeholders are focused on corporate governance and risk management in the cybersecurity arena, and they're ready to downgrade and hold companies and their boards and senior management accountable when they learn of unmitigated uh, cyber risks. So a key component of you know, the overall ESG movement, which we've been talking about for the last few months, is now corporate cybersecurity governance. So in facing this challenging environment, corporate boards have to understand exactly how they should conduct proper oversight and exercise their responsibilities. A defined framework for this effort is essential. This framework, and it has to include several components. One, outline. The, there should be basically the essential elements in an outline. Uh, in beginning this process, the board's approach and efforts should be documented so that the board's work is accurately uh, maintained and recorded. And it should include essential functions like responsibilities. So, for example, is it the audit committee's uh, responsibility? But once you uh, already add, their, add to their obligations uh, in their workload, a separate cyber risk committee may be appropriate. Uh, and it could be delegated to that separate committee. The full board 
obviously should maintain a quarterly report and a review of cyber risk oversight. Uh, the board has to oversee the risk and vulnerabilities assessment, um, and that board has to understand the company's risks and vulnerabilities to cyber attacks, as well as internal employee or third-party uh, uh, vulnerabilities as well. Um, this assessment is the foundation of the cyber risk management and has to be regularly updated to reflect changes in business, technology, and information activities. Uh, the assessment has to include third-party risks, supply chain, and all business partner risks because of the possible vulnerabilities created by these external relationships and operations. Uh, directors have to understand how their companies are also protecting against cyber intrusions. Specifically, board members have to understand exactly what protections are in place and the ways in which the company can detect a possible intrusion. While the systems may involve technical subjects and ideas, board members should undertake efforts to understand how these systems work and the level of protection created. A security program has to be captured in writing so that it is documented and understood by board members. When vulnerabilities are identified and remediation may be required, directors have to oversee plans to mitigate these vulnerabilities and hold those responsible for fixing these problems. Uh, written policies and available resources, a corporate board should ensure that the company has established policies and procedures in place governing cybersecurity. Um, these have to reflect the cybersecurity framework set forth by the uh, National Institute of Standards and Technology, the NIST, coupled with recent executive orders and the, the, uh, addressing these issues, and obviously the one that I referred to earlier from the Biden administration, which just came out, um, it gives sort of a, a list of certain of the best practices. Now, crisis response plan and disclosure, the board also has to consider and review protocols for responding to a cyber incident, whether it's an attack or a data breach. Uh, the response plan should include a step-by-step -step protocol uh, to protect against um, second-guessing litigation launched by shareholders, the government, or other actors. A communication plan has to be prepared for co coordinating with law enforcement and making timely disclosures to regulators, key stakeholders, and the public. So you can see how the board's responsibilities mirror uh, some of the general principles here, but the board has an obligation to conduct oversight and to monitor cybersecurity risks because obviously uh, they can be uh, held accountable by shareholders in a derivative suit, the government possibly, uh, the FTC, for example, but more likely it's uh, based on uh, state prosecutions because we still don't have federal requirements that are imposed and uh, enforced by regulators or anybody uh, uh, for that matter. So that's just a quick look at uh, cybersecurity risks, uh, something you know, in today's environment, we, we need to take account of and, and show greater attention to. Um, add it to your plate of risks and vulnerabilities uh, and then uh, devote, you know, the required attention to it. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see how things uh, develop, uh, but, you know, we may be on our way to um, the Biden administration eventually trying to uh, regulate uh, in this area, but I think the likelihood is is low given 
uh, Congress's inability to act. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening today, and uh, we'll see you next week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay in touch. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. Just the way it is Some things have never changed That's just the way it is How oh, but don't you believe that Just the way it is That's just the way